Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Thursday, September 7th. The Bank of Canada didn't raise the key interest rate earlier this week, but that doesn't do much to address affordability in the short term. We get some advice on how to help navigate personal finances during this stressful time with personal finance expert and educator Kelly Keene. Still on the topic of affordability, we know all about inflation, shrinkflation and greedflation, but how about streamflation? We discuss why the cost of streaming services keep going up with tech journalist and author Carmi Levy. And finally, according to Stats Canada, 14 people die from suicide every day in our country. September 10th marks World Suicide Prevention Day, so we took the opportunity to discuss the resources available here in the city for those struggling with Karen Gallagher-Burt, social worker and mental health advocate working out of the Distress Centre. Just a little less than 24 hours ago, we were watching the Bank of Canada rate in their announcement. They did not raise that key interest rate. But that doesn't do much to address affordability. The old rule of thumb, by the way, uh, we've read about, and if you maybe learned it in school, is to spend 30% of your gross, month, mo- gross monthly income on housing. Uh, but it might be time to recalculate that as well. So everything seems to be uh, going up in price. So to navigate our personal finances this fall, we've got some help from Kelly Keene, founder of Money Wise Workplaces. Good morning to you, Kelly. Yes, good morning. I, I'm doing the mute thing. Good morning. <laughs> <laughs> we, Hi, Kelly. We, oh. <laughs> we, uh, we don't want you to, to be on mute. Uh, we want to hear your uh, sage advice because we can all use it this time. Now, uh, just to set the table here, Kelly, and excuse the pun, we've had listeners tell us, for example, that they've had to, for example, skip a meal to pay their bills, to pay their rent or mortgage. So let's talk about it and calculate it from uh, that, uh, start with that calculation when it comes to housing um, and uh, rent costs. How, How do we navigate this with everything so high? Yeah, it's brutal, Andy. I mean, uh, just anecdotally, yesterday I went grocery shopping and put away a spaghetti squash that was $9. I was like, I just couldn't, you know, I... I don't think I've ever put food away in my lifetime. And it is shocking how much things have gone up. And when you're talking about, you know, I remember being on your show a few years ago talking about how cheap money was and and should we keep spending on our lines of credit? And, you know, it's basically free money. Well, look today where people were, let's say, on a on a hundred thousand dollar line of credit, you know, paying one fifty, two hundred bucks a month. Now they're they're north of, of seven, eight hundred dollars. Like this is shocking. Um, so yeah, it's really tough for a lot of Canadians. Here's the biggest thing that I'm hearing from people, and the hardest thing to do, guys, is looking at your situation. It doesn't matter what the percentage should be of your rent, of your mortgage payment your credit cards, it's what your situation is, mm-hmm. understanding and realizing where you are. And guys, if you don't have enough money at the end of the month to pay your bills or, or you're juggling just food, affording food, this is a hard exercise to do. So I'm not saying this lightly, but if you don't do this, no one's going to knock on your door. And I can tell you some cost savings of, of if you do comb through your finances where it can really help. Okay, so comb through our finances. Is it all about putting together that dreaded budget that we all hear about, that household budget, Kelly? You know what, Sue, it's not. And here's why. Because your $3 coffee or $7, you know, sandwich, yes, of course, every penny 
that you can put towards paying down in debt, that helps, but that's not going to really move the needle. Here's what does. Number one, getting, you know, like when you're, when you're scared of your finances, you just kind of turtle. So you want to get online or open up all of your, your statements, look at what are your payments? What are your interest rates? When are they due? First of all, get that in your digital calendar. Make sure you're not missing payments if you can afford them, because that's just going to cost you more interest penalties. That's just going to add up to, to more and more and more. Get them in your calendar, get three to five day reminders on them. So if you bank with a different institution, you're getting those payments in on time. But here's a real life example. If you had, let's say, a credit card debt of $10,000 and you're in a you know typical 24% interest rate credit card, if you did one thing, didn't make any more payments, didn't, didn't find any more money, just called up your bank and got into a lower interest rate credit card. And yes, all of the banks have them. Mm-hmm. So you got in at one at like 12.99%. You're going to save over $4,000 paying that credit card off than if you just left it in the high interest rate um, you know, uh, uh, option that you have. Yes, there's no bells and whistles with the lower interest rate card. There's no rewards points. You don't need that if you're paying down your debt. But the bank isn't going to call you and say, hey, there's another option Mm. for you to pretty much slash your interest in half if you're only making the minimum payment. So this is why I'm saying you've got to look at your situation, get on the phone with your bank, make it their problem. They're not shocked if you're having a hard time making your payments. So just call them up and tell them that and see what options exist. I've heard from so many people in, you know, Calgary, across the country, that they're pleasantly surprised when they call up their bank or their lender. Wow, okay. Well, That's a huge tip. That is huge. And, you know, I'm sure we can do without the, you know, chance to get some free points for something if it's saving us money mm-hmm. and getting us out of debt. Uh, but the other part of it is, as much as, you know, we're here to battle that debt, we're here to get the financial house in order, but unfortunately the tap doesn't turn off. We've got Thanksgiving, we've got the holidays, we've yeah. got the Halloween costumes, how do we tackle that? How do we get those things that we have to do to keep the family running, but at the same time tackle debt? Can we, can we do both? Yeah, I mean, and that's part of it. It's it's that because so many people are sitting in apathy, it's just, I get it. It's so much easier just to put on your favorite Netflix show and just ignore the finances. But, you know, I don't believe in budget. So you were asking about the B, but I do believe in tracking your spending at least twice a year. So I'm doing that right now with my husband. We started at the beginning of, of September. We have a little whiteboard in the kitchen and we write down every single cent we spend. And just that exercise alone lets us see visually where is the money going? Is there anything more that can be cut? Not not in a sacrificial way, but just, hey, we're not using that subscription. We didn't really need to spend that. And then just seeing where you can trim the fat and being you know, cognizant that these costs are coming up, not ignoring them. Holidays, if you've got kids, Halloween can be very expensive. And just kind of being ahead of the curve. Now, here's my favorite part to the financial equation that we rarely talk about is where can you bring in more money? I love thinking about that. I love having parents talk to their kids and teenagers about what are their skills? What are their passions? Where can they turn it into a side hustle? You know, just a few hundred dollars here and there every week or every month, that might mean, you know, being able to buy your spaghetti squash and avocados or putting them back. Like, I think, too, we forget to look at where is their money being left on the table. Uh, if you can ask more from your employer, there's three to four billion dollars being left on the table every year in employee benefits in Canada. If you've got a wellness account, please call up your HR person and dig into that. 
there might be afforded, you know, you might have money there for glasses or a much needed massage or what have you. But this is what I'm saying. No one's going to come knocking at your door to help you comb through your finances. So look through it, you know, ask yourself and your family the question, where can you bring in more money? I think that um, really gets uh, to be an exciting conversation with the family. I guess real quick, because we're wrapping up here, uh, the catch-22 is you might need some professional help because you don't know of these methods. Uh, You need to dig a little bit deeper. You really are out out of uh, water, out of uh, your, sorry, uh, what's it? A fish out of water? That's what it is. Um, But then the catch-22 is you think, I can't afford help. Are are there options Mm -hmm. for those people who can't afford a financial advisor, Kelly? Yeah, absolutely. All, almost all certified financial planners will give you at least a free call. If you're really in debt trouble, you can look to a nonprofit credit counselor. There's money mentors in, in Calgary. There's a number of great nonprofit credit counselors. You can also call up an insolvency trustee. You can even do it anonymously. It doesn't mean you have to go down that path. Take all the free advice you can, call up these organizations, get their free 30 minutes of advice, see what options exist before you make a decision because people, all these experts always say that, you know, people call in too late. So um, be proactive. I know it's hard. I'm, I'm virtually holding your hand while you do it. <laughs> But get all the information that you can um, so you can make an informed decision. Yeah, you're right on the money. I mean, I'm, I've always been a big proponent of burying my head in the sand. That's not a good plan. It doesn't work well. And in these times, we need to know exactly what's coming in and what's going out, where we can cut back. Thank you so much. Always a pleasure to chat with you. Appreciate your time. You too. Thanks soon, Andy. Thank you. Kelly Keene is the founder of Money Wise Workplaces. You can go online and look at her website for some more information. Kelly Keene, and she's K-E-L-L-E-Y. Last name is K-E-E-H-N. KellyKeene.com. At one point, Netflix dominated the streaming market. Now every entertainment company pretty much has their own streaming service options for us to subscribe to. But streaming service prices are on the rise. It's getting a little harder to figure out which ones we should keep, what we can afford. Joining us to talk about streamflation and how to get the most out of your streaming service is Carmi Levy, tech journalist, author and analyst. Morning, Carmi. Thanks for being with us. Good morning, Sue. So great to be here. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So, I mean, there was a day when streaming was what, you know, everybody was going to ditch cable. We were all going to streaming because there were just a couple of services and we could all buy it. We knew what we were getting. And now it is just, it's all over the place. Are are people still cutting the cable cable as they were, uh, you know, back then? To a certain extent, they are. You know, if you look at the the trend line, streaming is still increasing. More of us are moving towards streaming, and 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 overall revenue for traditional distribution methods like cable and satellite uh, is either flat or declining. So long term, it's clear where this is going. But what's changed is the attitude around it. It used to be when Netflix was the only game in town, it was like, woohoo, we're going to get rid of our traditional cable and satellite, move to to Netflix, and save ourselves a ton of money, uh, and we're going to get. lots more content for a lot less monthly outlay. Uh, And of course, that's changing. There's a lot more competition now. Uh, You know, the the landscape has shifted. Investors are starting to demand. They're like, okay, Netflix, you spent a whole bunch of years growing and growing and growing. Uh, And and and, but of course, now the reality is catching up with you. You're spending upwards of $20 billion a year to develop new content and keep people interested. And the pie isn't growing. Everyone else is getting it. There's Apple, there's Disney, there's Paramount, uh, you know, Canada, we have Crave. So suddenly there's, you know, Netflix is under the gun significantly. Their prices have gone up way beyond the rate of inflation, as have everyone else's. And you're looking at your budget, and you're going, 
I'm now spending probably more than I did in the than <laughs> in the days of cable and satellite. Uh, it's I'm not saving anything, and, and if I don't pick the right ones, I don't get to watch the things that I really want to watch. But Carmi, here's the thing: it, it, we know economics, and we know generally more competition means better pricing, and people fighting <laughs> for your dollars. But everybody is going up. So what gives? At what point is or one of these going to break and, and make their mark as being the cheapest or the most economical streaming service? Because with all of them going up, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. It all comes down to content. You know, if you want to watch uh, shows like Stranger Things or Bridgerton or Ozark, uh, it's going to cost because if you look at the at the budgets for these productions, they're almost what they would what it would cost to make a movie. And the production values when you watch them, the the CGI, the name brand actors, the the writers and the directors that you know and love that for years were producing for movie theaters and are now producing for streamers, the level of quality is off the charts, uh, and that's because consumers demand it so on the on the one hand you would think well everyone's competing they should hold the line on prices but when you're spending 10 20 billion dollars a year just to keep pace and netflix let's make it clear netflix is in uh, a superpower arms race with apple and disney and others to bring out the best content to get us to subscribe and stay subscribed uh, that you know the the suppression of prices due to competition there's only so far they can go when they're hiring you know name brand actors, directors, writers for everything, uh, and we are demanding the best of the best. Unfortunately, if they start cutting costs at the back end, we're going to start subscribing to somewhere, to someone else. And does it ever end? I mean, so we have these subscription services. They're trying to have better contents, costing them more. Is it ever going to stop? And now we're even having to pay on top of what we're paying. For example, Equalizer 3 came out in movie theaters. I wanted to go watch it. So I thought, I'm going to watch one and two again. Well, one was free on <laughs> Netflix or Crave. I can't remember. The other one, I had to pay to rent it from Crave or Netflix to watch it. And I'm already paying for the subscription. So where does it end? Uh, it probably doesn't end because it, at the end of the day, the, the people who matter, and we're, I hate to say this, but you and I, the consumer, the, the folks who pay the freight, really don't matter. The only people that Netflix and Apple and Disney care about are the investors that, that share value. Uh, and how much money are they making? That's the reason why, for example, last year Netflix cracked down on password sharing because they had let it go for years. And that was a lot of potential revenue that they were, they were simply not getting. They could ignore it when they were growing at double digits. They could no longer ignore it as growth started to flatline. So, you know, they're they're doing everything they can to maximize their top and bottom lines. And that means squeezing you and me in all sorts of ways, mm -hmm. having little asterisks every time we want to catch up on a movie series. And that's just the way it's going to be going forward. There is salvation, though. <laughs> we are seeing more advertising supported tier. So if you're willing to put up with some ads, you can save a few bucks per month. We're seeing the emergence of free services like Pluto TV that, you know, you they're ad supported. So of course you have to watch ads, but you're not paying a subscription fee. And there is a ton of legacy or older vintage content in those archives. So if you're smart about choosing the services that you want, you can find entertainment value somewhere else without paying top dollar, but you do have to look for it. Speaking, uh, of course, with Carmi Levy, tech journalist, author, and analyst. And, and Carmi, could we? Everybody had those scissors out. They were cutting the cable. Uh, but because it is adding up so fast that it's kind of a confusing to find, what show am I watching? What service is it on? Could we find ourselves mending that cable and going back to traditional cable packages? 
I think there's certainly a, a small number. I know among my sort of cohort, my colleagues, friends, family members, that a number of them have decided that it's just easier to have the channels that they're familiar with and they've gone back to it. But uh, it's almost like folks who buy turntables and vinyl. Uh, I, I think it's a vibrant sub-community and there's a small but vocal community that still holds on to that old technology. But that's not really what's driving the market. That's not mainstream. And I don't expect that to be the core uh, of where this market goes. I think long-term term. Uh, Ten years out, uh, you and I and all of us, we aren't going to be talking about cable or satellite anymore at all because the way that content gets delivered to us has changed the way that we consume content. We no longer wait until Thursday at 8 o'clock to go see our favorite show. Mm. We want to watch it whenever we want and ultimately that's streaming or whatever other technology comes along after streaming because let's be clear, uh, that window will close someday as well. We just don't know what comes next. And we'll pay for it whatever it is, Carly. <laughs> <laughs> we always will because yeah. there is there is no free lunch when it comes to content. Ain't that the truth? Thanks so much for joining us. Great convo. Appreciate your time. Great being here, guys. Thanks. Thank you. Carmi Levy, tech journalist, author, and analyst. You know, and he's, what he's exactly describing, how, you know, we'll get this, but we have to pay for that, and then it's kind of a la carte. Mm. Well, that's just cable. Yeah. It's, it's so the same crazy. thing. We're just doing the same thing, but on a different platform now. I am going to have to do a real hard uh, soul searching. <laughs> soul searching? This is entertainment, okay? <laughs> this this isn't is a life-changing decision. Andy. This doesn't impact our lives, but it does impact, to a certain extent, our enjoyment and yes. entertainment. Uh, but for Which me, I think we've discovered is more important than ever before, right? It is, but is it a distraction? Should I just go outside and run and take a walk and, I don't know, do some crafts? But which might be more expensive depending on your hobby. For me, uh, it, it just outside looking in at this dilemma without diving deep and getting a spreadsheet out with my wife and deciding, and don't want to get the kids involved because they want every service. Yes. Um, the, um, the prime is grandfathered in or grandmothered in. I don't want to be sexist because we've got the membership for, for Amazon. Right. So that's free. Yep. Great. So it's, it's Netflix or Disney Plus on the block for me. Um, and both have great offerings. I have to do without one. I, I, and I know Disney Plus is cheaper than Netflix right now. What I I'm finally anyway. got rid of Disney Plus because my kids kind of grew out of it. And I, I'm not really into the Star, um, Star Wars Star universe, Wars, that sort of stuff. So I didn't really care about that. And I know there's a lot of other content. But, mm. yeah, you have to decide which one appeals, you know, to the biggest group in your home. Yeah. And get you what, what do you get the best bang for? And for me, it, it was not Disney. So that's the one I canceled so far. And more maybe on the chopping block. It's expensive. And, you know, and I'm not watching it a lot lately. And I mean, my wife and I making the financial decisions, we're two out of six. Yeah. So if the other four are watching something, how can you just cut? And you think about it, right? When we used to go to the Blockbuster video and the Rogers videos and stuff, it was like, it, first it was a couple bucks, then it went up to about five or five ninety nine a rental. Yeah. Two or three rentals a month, that's the cost of Netflix. So the old school, you know, if you grew up in the 80s and you rented videos, it's still cheaper and you have unlimited content. So I get it, but you're just stacking these things up. It's, I, it's I couldn't believe that I had to rent Equalizer Part 2. It's an old movie. Why is this happening? Like, where did that all start? Uh, that's the first time I've experienced that where, you know, you're in a streaming service, which I pay for. And now, you're, and now you've every, got to rent what? Uh, so no, I don't need to see it that badly. I, if, you're, if you're nickel and diming with the, you oh, need the man. premium X, Y, or Z. We, we, do we need a premium on, a premium on everything? No, we don't. Are they going to pay us a premium to breathe the oxygen, uh, you know? We need to uh, back off and say, we're not going to take it anymore.
Stats Canada reporting approximately 4,500 people die by suicide every year in Canada. Men account for two-thirds of that number. Joining us to talk about the resources and supports available is Karen Gallagher-Burt, mental health advocate and social worker. Hi, Karen. Thanks for being with us again. Yes, good morning. Happy to be here. We're getting more and more dependent on you coming in here and talking about mental health issues because I think more and more we really need to just bring all these issues to the forefront. And we just finished talking about financials. Yep. finances and sadly you say suicide and finances are tied together 100 percent. so what you have to remember about suicide is is that people don't necessarily want to die what they want is the pain to stop Mm. so often when we're talking to people who have high suicidal ideation it's allowing them to see outside of that dark hole you know it's like being like being um, bruce wayne in the bottom of that well and when you look up you got to see the sun um and i look at it that when people be, become suicidal or start to have that ideation, it's all the factors in their life that are contributing to get them to a point where it seems like a good idea. Can't even imagine, but I guess that's the thing. Like we, we shouldn't be able to imagine. Yeah, we? yeah honestly, um, most of us never get there. We never get to that point where we think about it. Everybody, I think, thinks about suicide occasionally, but when you are in a healthy spot, it comes to your mind and you go, well, that's a stupid idea, and then you move on. For those who have multiple things happening in their life uh, and they really don't have those connections or supports, it starts to become one of the top 10, then one of the Mm. top five, Mm. and then it might rise to the top. So that makes the most sense. And so, you know, one of the top of the charts you don't want to be on. Um, uh, It's interesting because I've read online these different memes. Uh, We're all against it financially right now. Costs are going up. And I saw this one meme that said, it's so expensive, I cannot afford to live anymore. And I, th- I just thought took that as just gonna you know, a phrase, but when you put it in the terms of what we're talking about right now, Karen, it 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 it, it kind of hits home. You betcha. So I will tell you that at Distress Center in 2022, we had just over 63,000 crisis connections. So that's our connect team. That's on phone, talks, talks, chat. Of those, 27% of them were related to suicide. And if you only talked about the um, text and chat, it's close to 48%, so half of those conversations. So when someone gets to that place and you're exploring what are the reasons you want to die, but also one of the reasons you want to live, finance is coming up in that top five regularly now that I can't afford to live. Um, I go and have access to the medications I need. I can't afford them. Um, I'm going to live on the street in two months. I'd rather make my own choice. And you start to hear... People justifying it in their head. And again, this is a difficult dialogue, but people start to think it's an alternative. Can I ask you, and I, I, I ask this quite seriously, because you always kind of hear, and you sort of alluded to it, but the voices in your head. Do people who are at that point, is there something in their head saying, die, die? Or are, are, is it their own voice in their head saying, oh my God, I can't look after my family. I just can't find an answer to mm-hmm. my problem. Like, what is that voice do do, would you know from just from talking to people at the center so i would only be able to speak to it anecdotally Mm because it is so different obviously for everyone for sure i think what um i think it's our own voice in the terms of so when we talk about voices in our head i immediately go to diagnostics so someone who's diagnosed with schizophrenia or psychotic disorder and i think you have to leave that out of the conversation of suicide because most people who attempt or die by suicide are probably not so much struggling with a mental illness is that it might be a mental illness combined with another bunch of factors. So we have to leave the voice in your head kind of idea out, out of, of it. There. 
But what I would say is that um, our problem-solving skills go down the, the more stress that's in our lives, the more things that are difficult. So if you're, say, um, a single person living in Calgary, you've moved here, you have less connections, um, you may have a job, but maybe it's only paying, I'm going to say now, 50000 a year. And we all know now that you need Doesn't to, get to you afford far, a house, you need eighty. Yeah. Um, so like our staff at Distress Centre, that's where they're at. So we're watching it, not just our clients calling in, but our staff who can't afford to rent. Um, and they may not have family here or anyone to support them. And lots of families don't believe in that. So what tends to happen is that you start to come out that conversation, you're a failure, mm-hmm. right? There's, I, I can't survive. My parents at this age had X. Uh, and parents, not, we're not necessarily helpful, it's not helpful if I tell my children, well, your dad and I bought a duplex when we were 23. Um, that's not helpful because the reality of the world right now is some of the kids may never get a house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, here, here's the thing. You, you think about it, and we have these issues, and it, it, people throw time at that issues. But it is, and this sounds cliche, easier than ever to reach out for help. So if we can give those reviews, because it used to be maybe just going into an office, and then it moved to phone, and now you've got, you've got so many, yep. a myriad of channels, don't you? You do have a ton of options, but however, when you're in that dark place, again, your rational thinking goes down, mm-hmm, right. and that doesn't come necessarily to the top of your mind in that moment to reach out for help because you start to feel so lonely and isolated. Um, the top reasons people call our line, the fifth one is loneliness and isolation. So mm-hmm. they call, it's suicidal ideation, anxiety, depression, family relationships. Isolation and loneliness is in that top five. So you add that to what's going mm-hmm. on, so what do we do? If we're feeling it or we have someone in our life who we think might be feeling it, what's the best course of action? You know, I think it's, again, having the conversations. And we've talked about this before. You cannot be afraid of the word suicide or kill yourself. It's not about are you going to hurt yourself because there are lots of people who self-harm that have no intention of killing themselves. So they're different. So it's being able to say, you know what? I've, I've heard you say a number of things that worry me. Um, are you suicidal? And everybody shies away from that word. But by the same token, you might be that one person that bursts the bubble of stigma and changes the conversation. You don't know after what to do mm-hmm. when that person says yes. What you have to know is how the heck do I get help right now? And that can be, again, I always say 24-7 distress centers there, mm-hmm. 266-HELP. However, if it's, if it's during the daytime hours and you're at work, what about your HR? Maybe they're trained, maybe they're not, but at least they know where to go and they can tell about the EAP program or the EFAP program. Um, if it's someone on the street, connect, you know, you're talking to someone and they say, well, I'm going to kill myself, I can't survive anymore, then, you know, connect them. If there's police officers walking around, connect them with a police officer. Um, if you're near a shelter, walk them to the shelter. Take 15 minutes out of your time to just get them to someone that's a little bit more qualified than you. It's like first aid, you know. You're first on scene, you've got CPRC, Fine, you can do it. But the minute someone who's a nurse or a doctor or an EMP shows up, they take over. They take over. Yeah. Let them take over. And so you just to be with them till you get them some extra support. Some, some great some great points, some great advice, Karen. Very timely. Thank you very much for your time. We enjoy your visits. Thank you. Karen Gallagher-Burt, mental health advocate and social worker working out of the Distress Center. Distresscenter.com and again, 24 hours a day, 403-266-HELP.